Thanks everyone for joining. I'm joined again by Scott Peeler and Lynn Fiorentino, two subject matter experts on government investigations and enforcement. This is our third and final segment for now on COVID-19 related financial fraud. Now on the last episode, we talked about enforcement trends and how the DOJ has prioritized bringing violators to justice, seeking the severest of penalties. We know that borrowers of any amount need to be ready if the government comes knocking. So today we're gonna to talk about how to best prepare, especially if you're gonna be applying for loan forgiveness. So it seems pretty clear that this financial uh, fraud related to COVID, it's gonna be a big part of what's important for enforcement at the federal and state level for the foreseeable future. But now we're entering into the uh, forgiveness period. So what should businesses keep in mind as they start applying for Loan forgiveness. Scott? I'm um, so glad you bring this up because you're right. We got past the, the at least the first wave under the, under the prior uh, packages. We, we've gotten through the page, the, the issue of folks already applying for that. Now we're at the stage, the second phase, which is they're asking for loan forgiveness. They're saying we've met certain conditions um, and making more statements, more sworn certified statements to the government. And you probably can guess where I'm going with this is, and therefore, the uh, making sure that all of the T's are cro uh, crossed and the I's are dotted so that the paperwork that's being filed now is perfect. And to the extent we know from our earlier discussions how much the government is looking for and calling a lot of things fraud that may really not be fraud, maybe honest mistakes, but they're gonna call it fraud. The attempt not to make the situation any worse, not to have any additional mistakes if there have been any in the past or give the government an argument that quite frankly, you don't have to. It is essential that people apply for those things and do it so very carefully. We're helping a lot of people do that right now for that reason. I mean, it just seems that there's just an absolute lack of guidance here. And there's a lot of confusion, you know, with, with uh, businesses trying to apply for forgiveness. So they're legitimately concerned about the forgiveness process. What do they do? Lynn, any suggestions here? Right, Susan. I mean, it is, you know, as Scott pointed out, we, we got past that application phase and now we're going, moving into the forgiveness phase. I think it's important to remember that, like as Scott noted, it's not just, you know, whether or not someone lied on their application, but the more benign mistakes that someone might make. So now that we're moving into the forgiveness phase, it's a whole nother set of documents, a whole nother set of certifications. And if those aren't 100% accurate in the government's eyes, they will see that as separate crimes, separate fraud, false statements, you know, the list goes on and on. So what's important from a best practices perspective is to really, really read through your certifications carefully. Um, it's a great opportunity to bring in a trusted advisor, you know, your attorney, someone that you work closely with to have that second set of eyes on there to see that, you know, does this look, does it look just, you know, above, above board for what you're trying to do? And, and you're asking for the government to forgive a loan. And sometimes these loans are significant amounts. So this is a big deal. But that's one thing that you've got to read every word and make sure that it's 100% accurate because you will have to verify and certify that your payroll costs are accurate, your non-payroll costs. And we got into this last time, I think when I mentioned, when people were applying for these loans and they were in a hurry to get the money, especially the small businesses, 
and they were, you know, having to put down how many employees they had, what's their payroll. It's easy to be a little bit off there. And so this is another opportunity to, you know, really make sure you've got the numbers accurate. So you're going to have to certify those things, understanding that the government is looking for opportunities for civil enforcement and criminal enforcement. So those are really the best practices um, is, is, you know, taking a close look and bringing in someone from the outside, a third party professional who can help you with that. And we're, again, we're being called in by a lot of uh, clients of ours to do that right now because they're trying to be proactive, which is great. And that's one thing we really advocate for. Absolutely. It makes sense with a very complex, uh, you know, process like this to, uh, businesses should really be proactive and start looking into these matters. Now, a part of that, of course, is looking forward and in implementing if they don't have already the best practices, you know, if the government does come knocking or ask to see your paperwork. So to wrap up the, ske- uh, the series, Scott and Lynn, would you guys share some of the best practices for businesses who've applied for a PPP loan or really any type of government aid. I know we're focused on the PPP loan, but really best practices for other types of uh, aid that was applied for. What do they do to be prepared when investigators come knocking? Thanks, Susan. Well, really probably the most critical element here in best practices is thorough, meticulous record keeping. If you are subject to a subpoena or an inquiry from the government, you're going to need to be able to demonstrate that you kept the appropriate records, that you have truthful records. So really meticulous records, um, you should be not only keeping them, but have them well organized so that you can find certain types of records quickly. If you're asked to respond to an inquiry from uh, law enforcement, that's really important. Um, maintain all the, you know, your payroll records, expense receipts, all of those things. And again, having them really categorized uh, effectively and, and organized is very helpful. The other issue that for best practice is you've got to understand the rules, right? Um, And whether that means bringing in your trusted advisor, your lawyer to help you understand those rules or studying them yourself, but you've got to understand the rules about payroll, about expenses, you know, how do we calculate full-time equivalents, things of that nature. So those are the really the first two I would start off with. And, Scott, and I can add, and I sure, and I can add onto the list because I think another area that we provide a lot of help for a lot of a lot of clients uh, all the time is what I would call on the compliance side. And I think you know, again, compliance is such an essential component. Is being ready. Uh, you know, your question, Susan, is what do you do when the, the the knock on the door comes? Well, compliance is really about looking at the the, the holistic program and making sure that your house is in order. Lynn just talked about your record keeping policies and procedures. There are, but there are a lot of different policies and procedures that will make sure that you're in compliance and ready in that moment to handle a potential question. And again, we help a lot of people do exactly that. One of the compliance areas that we should single out, especially in this context, is the False Claims Act. Uh, you know, and the False Claims Act very briefly, and we have an extraordinary amount of expertise in our firm with, with, with FCA. But the, the reality is a False Claims Act is, is a really go-to statute for the federal government on the law, white-collar side of the world in the sense anybody who allegedly made a false statement in order to re- secure money uh, from, from the government, that, 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 that could be a False Claims Act uh, case. So here, having a really good policies and procedures around the FCA is really essential for this to help prevent concerns around the particular area we're talking about now and this loan forgiveness uh, part of today's session. I think another really um, important thing that we have to do 
is to, um, and, I, and it's funny, I talk about this on, in sessions all the time. We need to make sure that when you make public statements, companies are always making public statements. And a lot of times the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. You've got a compliance team or you've got your, your in-house lawyers or you've got different people who are trying to get everything in order and filing all of these, this paperwork with the government relating to these loans. But out in the world, business is being conducted and it could be the CEO or it could be the head of sales or it could be different things making statements about the business. And the government often looks at those public statements being made in the marketplace and comparing it against the statements that have been made in the filings and variations between these two things that again could be innocent and not fraud at all. The government can look at that as evidence that, well, this doesn't match up perfectly with this and thus uh, we have fraud. So again, I think having a sense of coordination to make sure that no one is making public statements that in any way cast a concern or any gaps between what's being stated in these loan applications or these documents, these certifications is essential. And I would, those are great points, Scott. And I think I would add on to that. There's, there's actually another best practice that I think is important here. And that's having uh, your employees significantly trained in some of these areas. So the people that are going to be closest to the records, making sure they understand, okay, what are the rules related to false claims act? What are the rules related to, you know, other types of fraud that the government's looking at and, and really having that internal set of communication so that everybody knows what everybody else is doing. And we're sure that compliance is, is number one. I would also add um, really companies need to take any sort of um, allegations of fraud seriously. We know from the False Claims Act, and we have a lot of experience, as Scott noted, in this area, but that often starts with a whistleblower. There's a whistleblower provision in the False Claims right. Act that allows someone to come forward and make a claim, and if the government investigates it and recovers money, that, that whistleblower gets a significant sum of that money that's recovered. So we know that oftentimes, um, these sort of larger investigations start with an internal employee making a, making a, a whistleblower type allegation. So really taking every claim seriously, investigating it thoroughly, looking into it. And again, you know, seeking the help of, of outside third party professionals to, to help you sort of navigate. That's really important. Absolutely, uh, Lynn, really important. Thank you very much for bringing up the whistleblower provision. I'm glad, uh, yeah. So, Absolutely critical. And again, not just for our, you know, businesses that applied for the PPP loan, but for any COVID uh, related aid, they have to worry about that, you know, the FCA and the whistleblower provision. Thank you very much, Scott and Lynn, for your time and for answering all of these questions. Do you guys have any parting thoughts for our viewers? Um, thanks, Susan. I just wanted to sort of end with two quick points. We sort of heard one of them, which is being proactive. We've, we've, we've hit that hard because it's essential. Uh, I, I think putting off or, oh, I'm sure it'll never come to that, or there's no need to be ready for that. I, I think that exposes you to additional risk. So if you've applied for a loan, I think being proactive is really important. I think another one, and I, and I, and, and I think history can be really instructive for us. If you look, for example, at 9-11 fraud, those cases where aid was being provided after 9-11 for, for a variety of legitimate reasons, well, the truth is cases relating to that lasted for up to a decade after that. If you look at the financial crisis of 2008, 2009, the cases that were really going on related to government aid and TARP there, they're still going on. So that's 10 to 12 years. So what I'm saying is this is not an issue for just 2021. 
this is not an issue for just 2022. The reality is this is something that the government is going to be invested in looking at and continuing to find cases long, long, long after uh, the PPP um, uh, ever got started. Thanks, Scott, for that. And Susan, I want to just thank you for being our moderator throughout these segments. Um, Indeed. You've done a great job. I would also just add, you know, I go back and I say this all the time, and not, not just in this area, but really generally in, in a lot of the white collar work we do and in government investigations is, is being one step ahead, not three steps behind. So again, going back to this proactive sort of mindset, understanding your risk and seeking the help of, you know, a professional who can help you be ahead of that and get your pro compliance program in place if you don't already have it. Take a thorough look at your records and, and make sure that you're in a good place because as Scott noted, this enforcement trend here is gonna be going on for years and years and it's not just something we're looking at during the pandemic. So we wanna make sure that everybody's in good shape and to the extent that we can help you do that, um, you know, we'd be delighted to, so thank you. Thanks everyone.